A really good morning and a warm welcome to St Paul's Online. My name's Adam, I'm one of the clergy here at St Paul's. You're really welcome with us, whether you're in Leamington or further afield. In a moment, I'm going to hand over to Rich and Alison, who are going to lead us in our sung worship today. Uh, but before I do that, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you promise that when we gather together in your name, you are with us. As we draw near to you this morning, we pray that you would draw near to us, that we would know your powerful presence at work in our lives and that you would work through us, that we might see your kingdom come. Come by your Holy Spirit, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, sing together.
Good morning everyone, my name is Katie, I'm the Children's Minister at St Paul's and today we're having a think about a man called Saul, except that we don't know him as Saul, we know him as St Paul, the man who our church is named after. I'm going to read a version of this story from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Of all the people who kept the rules, Saul was the best. I'm good at being good, he'd tell you. He was very proud and very good at keeping rules, but he wasn't very nice. Saul hated anyone who loved Jesus. He travelled around looking for them. He wanted to catch them and put them in prison. He wanted everyone to forget about Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was the rescuer and he didn't believe Jesus was alive either. You see, Saul had never met Jesus. So one day, Jesus met Saul. Saul was on his way to Damascus when suddenly a dazzling light flashed like lightning. It was brighter than the sun. It was too bright. Saul shielded his eyes and fell to the ground. He heard a loud voice. It was too loud. It gave Saul a headache. Saul, Saul, said the loud voice. Why are you fighting me? Lord, Saul answered, who are you? I am Jesus, said the voice. When you hurt my friends, you are hurting me too. Saul's whole body trembled. Go to the city, Jesus said. I'll tell you what to do. When Saul opened his eyes, he couldn't see. His helpers had to hold his hand and lead him like a little child. Saul was blind for three whole days and yet it was as if he was seeing for the very first time. Meanwhile, there was a man called Ananias who loved Jesus. Jesus came to him in a dream. Go to Saul and pray for him, and I will make him see again. Ananias knew all about Saul and how he hated Jesus' followers. Lord, he's come to hurt us. But Jesus told Ananias, Saul is the one I've chosen to tell the whole world who I am. So Ananias went to Saul. Brother Saul, Ananias said, it was Jesus you met on the road. And Ananias prayed for Saul. Suddenly Saul could see again, but he saw everything differently. He wasn't mean anymore. He even changed his name from Saul to Paul, which means small and humble, the very opposite of proud. And do you know what Ananias' name means? The Lord is full of grace. And grace is just another word for gift, which is funny because that's just what Paul's message was all about from then on. It's not about keeping rules, Paul told people. You don't have to be good at being good for God to love you. You just have to believe what Jesus has done and follow him. Because it's not about trying, it's about trusting. It's not about rules, it's about grace. 
God's free gift that cost him everything. What had happened to Paul? He met Jesus. Paul got a new job. He called himself a servant and travelled everywhere telling everyone about Jesus. He got shipwrecked three times. He even ended up in prison. God loves us, he wrote from prison, and nothing can ever, no, not ever, separate us from the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of God he showed us in Jesus. And so it was. Just as God promised Abraham that dark night all those years before, the family of God's children grew and grew. Until one day, they would come to number more than even all the stars in the sky. Now, lots of us will know this story already. I really like that in this version of the story, we're reminded that you don't have to be good at being good for God to love you. In other words, God loves us no matter what. It can be really hard to believe that, but he does. The story also reminds us that it's not about trying, but about trusting. It's not about rules, it's about grace. In the Bible, God has given us some rules that we should try to stick to, but we're not asked to follow rules. We're asked to follow Jesus and his way. Sometimes it can be okay to break the rules if you need to help someone or change something to be better for people around us. Jesus broke quite a lot of rules himself, but only if they made things better for other people. God sort of broke the rules when he met with Saul, who became Paul, because he asked him to spread his word to non-Jewish people. And that was something no one expected. They thought Jesus came to save the Jews, but he came to save everyone. And Paul went on to spread that message to large parts of the world, traveling long distances and getting in all sorts of trouble, just to spread God's message of love and grace. That challenges me a lot because I know that I am not even spreading that message to people I meet in Leamington, let alone across the world. So I want you to have a quick think. Is there someone you know who you could talk to about Jesus? Or if that seems too scary, tell them about the fact that you go to church. Maybe tell them about our online church services. Have a think. Is there someone that you could talk to about that? I would love it if, if, as a church, we could try to talk to the people we've just thought of this week. Let's try to have a tiny fraction of Paul's bravery and spread God's message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you sent St Paul across the world to spread your message of love and grace and hope. Give us all courage, Lord, as we struggle to do the same. Give us bravery that we might speak to people this week and tell them a little bit about you and your love and your grace and your hope. Amen. It's time for our all-age song now, 
This week it's King of Me and a massive thank you to the Chidley family for the actions. Fantastic. Thank you so much to the Chidley family for the wonderful actions there. Uh, and if you'd like to be involved and do the actions for us one week, then do get in touch with me. My details are on the church website. I'd like to introduce Yvonne to you. Yvonne's been part of our church family for a little while now. Uh, she's one of our church family who are involved in chaplaincy work. Lots of our church family uh, do chaplaincy, whether it's in uh, hospitals or in schools uh, or in prisons as well. Uh, Yvonne, tell us, how are you involved in chaplaincy in normal times? Well, hello. As Adam said, I work with the lay chaplaincy unit mostly at Warwick Hospital. And because I live in Shipston on Stour, I go into Ellen Badger Hospital as well. So really it's ward visiting. In Warwick, we have a, normally have a, a ward that we go to each week, so you get to know the staff. 
and sadly sometimes you get to know the patients because they've been there a long time. Um, Ellen Badger is much the same, I often see the same people there because they're in for quite a long time. And we chat, just general chat, see how they're doing, some people ask for prayer. We don't push that side of things but we do offer it as often as we can. Um, and obviously it's wonderful when somebody says oh yes please and I've had some lovely experiences doing that. Fantastic. Uh, now you've been in today, first time since lockdown, haven't you? How has that gone for you? I, I have. It was um, an experience. So I had to wear, um, I wore my normal clothes, but I had to wear an apron and gloves. I had a mask all the time and I had a visor. So it's very hot. Um, and also nobody can actually see your mouth. So I was in Ellen Badger because it's quite local to me. And most of the lovely patients there are quite hard of hearing. So between the fact they can't see your lips moving and you keep repeating yourself and you can't go too close, it's quite difficult. So there were lots of, everything's going well, lovely, good to see you. Um, lots of actions today, which normally there wouldn't be. And it, in two hours, I was exhausted, trying to breathe through a mask and think about what God would want to say and do for these people. So it was, um, it will get easier, I think, but it was quite exhausting today. Quite tough, bless you. How can we be praying? I think um, the most important thing really is that we've been able to go back in. The lay chaplaincies, the lay chaplains, sorry, have only just started going back in. Um, the chaplains have been going in and seeing patients, but now it's lovely to see the staff to make the connections back again. So praying for the staff and all they have to experience, it's quite tricky, I think, for them. Um, they're the only people the patients see. So until now, it's been quite a pressure. So praying for them and their concerns. Um, for the patients who are not seeing their loved ones, they're not in touch with them, actually probably at all, because the phones that they have on the wards, it doesn't always get round to the right patient at the right time if somebody does, does call in. So just peace for those patients who are in hospital and missing their families. Um, and for the chaplaincy team, that we, we see the right people, that we have God's word to say to those people, and that we can just be a blessing to them um, each time that we go in. Fantastic. Well, we're going to pray uh, for that now. I'm going to let Yvonne go and we'll pray together. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for uh, the work of chaplaincy. We thank you for those who serve in that ministry, both as paid employees and as lay chaplains. Lord, we thank you that they bring light and hope to all of the different places that they find themselves, in hospitals, in prisons and in schools. Lord, we pray for them, that you would draw near to them, that they would hear your voice, they would know what you call them to say, and that they would be a blessing to the places they find themselves. We pray for the patients that they see, that you would draw near to them, and that you would help them to see your hope and your light. And we pray for the staff. Pray, Lord, particularly for our NHS staff, working in very difficult conditions. Lord, would you draw near to them? and help them to know your powerful presence at work in them and through them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray now for uh, our world, and we pray this week particularly for the situation in Beirut following the blast on Tuesday. Lord, we pray for all those who have suffered, who have lost. Lord, would you draw near to them, and bring your light and hope. We pray for all of our world leaders, that you would draw near to them and bring people who know you close to them, that they may be able to lead with compassion, integrity, 
and wisdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for our own situations. Maybe just in a moment of silence, you want to lift up to the Lord something that you know, uh, maybe somebody you know who needs the Lord's help at this time. And in a moment of silence, we bring to the Lord all the things that we have on our heart that we need his help with. And lastly, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us afresh, that we would know your voice. It may be the Lord reminds you of a verse of a song or a verse of scripture. It may be that the Lord gives you a picture. Lord, however you speak, speak now for your servants are listening. And let's close with the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in sun worship together, so let's do that.
Hi, I'm Kira, and I'm one of the interns starting in September. Today's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So thank you, Kira, for reading the story of the conversion of St Paul. And thank you, Katie, for telling it earlier. Let's pray that God will speak to us. Heavenly Father, as St Paul's Church, we pray that you will speak to us as we think afresh about the wonderful conversion of St Paul this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was growing up, I knew a lot of the stories, the famous conversion stories of some of the famous Christians. St Paul is the most famous of all. Another famous one is John Newton, the captain of a slave trading ship who was converted and became a Christian and wrote the hymn Amazing Grace and left the slave trading well behind and indeed became a vicar. I myself kicked against the two forms of Christian expression I'd grown up with a village church and boarding school chapel. I struggled with both of them and as a teenager was really wrestling uh, about whether or not I would bow the knee to Jesus as Lord. When I was 18, just before I went to university, I was confronted afresh by the claims of Jesus and had to decide what I would do. I realised if they were true, they demanded my total life allegiance and if they were not, I could walk away. There was no Damascus Road experience for me but there was definitely a turning point. Uh, but for some years after that I felt inadequate as a Christian because I didn't have a dramatic story like the conversion of St Paul uh, whereas other Christians seem to have dramatic stories. I've learnt since that 
that probably the majority of Christians have much more ordinary stories, like John Wesley, who found his heart strangely warmed as he listened to a sermon one day, or like mine. Uh, the real test, of course, is not how dramatic the story is. We don't need to see a blinding light and fall off our horse. The real question is, are we going to bow the knee to Jesus as our Lord and live for him? Jesus himself said, it's by their fruit that you know them. You know if someone's a profession of Christian faith is genuine by the fruit of their lives. So I want to look at St Paul's conversion and see what is typical. Uh, uh, we can enjoy, obviously, the dramaticness of the story. But what is typical for all of us? And the first thing is this, that there is God's initiative behind it all. Behind anyone coming to faith in Jesus, God is drawing them to him. Paul, of course, was not looking that to be in relationship with Jesus at all. The last we'd heard about him as Saul was when Stephen was killed. And then chapter 8, verse 3, Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And here he was going to Damascus to do the same thing. He was convinced the Christians were wrong. Of course Jesus wasn't the Messiah. How could God's Messiah die on a cross? They were wrong. They needed to be wiped out and he was determined to do it. But Jesus had got under his skin and there was something bothering him about it all. And then God intervened dramatically. Some people barely notice God's leading and work in their life. They go along with his, his leading naturally and they barely notice how God's led them. Others fight it the whole way. C.S. Lewis said God could be described as like a great angler chasing a big fish or like the hound of heaven or a divine chess player, slowly but surely drawing people to him. If you're a Christian, uh, as you look back, the longer you look back, the more you can see how God was drawing you to himself. There may have been a Christian friend or a relative's prayer or perhaps a carol service or an alpha course that God used at the time you didn't know it, but God takes the initiative for all of us. And while our stories are all different, it's true that God's take the initiative. The second thing is that there has to come a moment of insight. It may come dramatically as it did for St Paul, or it may be a gradual opening of the eyes to see the truth. But there has to come a moment where we see Jesus for who he really is. It was obviously dramatic for St Paul. He was blinded for three days and probably took those three days thinking through all that he knew of the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament, thinking through the Christians he'd encountered, like Stephen, who had been there when he died. Perhaps thinking about how all that Pharisee training had left him outwardly respectable, as Katie put it earlier, being good at being good, but left him inwardly very angry and violent. For everyone, there comes a point where you see Jesus as he is. As John Newton put it in his hymn, Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see. So there's God's initiative. There's an opening of the eyes to see the truth. Uh, and then thirdly, there has to be a spiritual surrender where we turn to Christ. An experience, an encounter with Jesus is not enough. Sadly, I see some people who encounter Jesus on an alpha day, but never take the next step. And so they never really gain the benefits of being in relationship with Jesus. And we don't really see the fruit of his spirit in their lives. It was just an encounter. There has to be an act of surrender uh, from me being the centre of my life to Jesus being the centre of my life. 
repenting of my sin and living with Jesus as Lord. For St Paul, that led to a massive change of lifestyle from persecuting the church to joining the church and being a preacher of the gospel. I love the way C.S. Lewis put his moment of surrender. He was an atheist who wrestled with this truth for a long time, but eventually he gave in and he wrote this. I gave in and admitted that God was God, perhaps that night the most dejected convert in all of Christendom. But when he went on to write his story, he described it as being surprised by joy. He, he was a reluctant convert, thinking it would be miserable, but it was true, so he had to do it. And then God flooded him with his joy. And that was very much the same experience as I had when I was 18 and went up to university. I knew it was true. I bowed my knee to Jesus as Lord. And I too was surprised by the joy that God flooded me with, as well as the peace and so much more. Jesus said, if you try and hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life to him, you will find it. And so three days later, God sent Ananias to Saul with more amazing grace. Ananias, the Christian who would have been persecuted, who comes to pray with Saul. Uh, he's filled with the spirit. He's baptised and now he's identifying with Jesus. It doesn't really matter how it happens, uh, but you need to live with Jesus as your Lord. There has to be an inward surrender and an outward commitment of your life. And then lastly, we see transformation. As we read on from here, we see the transformation in St. Paul. Uh, Saul of Tarsus gets a whole new name, becomes Paul the Apostle. For C.S. Lewis, as it was for me, there was being surprised by joy. For John Newton, he left the slave trading behind and gave his life to telling others about Jesus. I wonder how this applies to you. If you are a Christian, can I invite you today to offer yourself afresh to Jesus as Lord? Like Ananias, I think the real hero in this story, who's praying, having his quiet time, and God reveals to him that he needs to go and see Saul of Tarsus and pray with him and Ananias bravely and courageously does. God not only saves unlikely people, he loves to use us in the process. So offer yourself to be used by God to help others come to faith in Jesus. God saves the most unlikely people, so do pray for them. But perhaps you're watching and you're not quite sure about all this yet. Uh, you're not sure whether it's true. Can I encourage you to pray? Ask God if this is true, to reveal the truth to you, to open your eyes uh, in a way that's best for you. Can I encourage you to read one of the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Read it and ask God to show you the truth, to open your eyes, to see who Jesus is. Or maybe you've been doing that for a while and you're at the point where you know you've got a choice to make, as I was when I was 18. This is true, I need to give my life to Jesus. It's the best decision you could ever make. Uh, it may be a question of coming and being baptised or confirmed, and please do let me know if you'd like to do that. But let's pray that God will meet with us afresh and use us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how we praise you that you took St Paul, you took Saul of Tarsus and turned him into St Paul. You took all his commitment to you and made it positive for Jesus and the gospel instead of negative and destructive. We pray for those who are watching this, who are weighing up whether this is true or not. As they read one of your gospels, 
will you open their eyes to see the truth? We pray for anyone who's at the point of decision that you'll give them the courage to choose to bow their knee to Jesus as Lord and live for him. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and with joy. And for all of us who are Christians, we choose to bow our knee afresh to you today. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord. Fill us with your Spirit. Use us to spread the good news about you. Shine through us, whether we're aware of it or not. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so now let's turn to our final song. We're going to listen again or sing along with the version of the UK Blessing. May the Lord bless you as we worship together now. And your family and 
and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence Thank you very much, Rich and Alison, for leading our worship today and Josh for putting a lot of it together as well. Uh, just before we have the final blessing, I've asked Adam to come to my garden for a bit of an interview as we have some news to share. When someone comes as a curate, they're nor you normally expect it to be three or maybe four years before they go on to be a vicar. Adam's been here three years, has been an excellent curate. And I believe we have some news. So Adam, what is the news? Yeah, so about uh, 10 days ago now, I had interviews uh, for a job in Portsmouth Diocese and I have been appointed as the next vicar of St Jude's South Sea in Portsmouth Diocese. So many, many congratulations, Adam. It's a very fine church. I know a little bit of it and one or two people who've been there. Um, I remember meeting you four years ago. Actually, it was at New Wine where we had our, our first proper conversation. Though not our first conversation, but... And uh, there was quite a story of how God called you to St Paul's as our curate. Uh, and I know there's a bit of a story about you being called St Jude's. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. In case you don't know, um, Jess and I first felt called to Coventry Diocese before we knew anything about St Paul's. And I was asked to meet with the Archdeacon. And uh, the day before, I thought I really ought to find out something about Coventry Diocese. So I went onto the Coventry Diocese website and there was an article about confirmations at St Paul's. And something in me just said, I think the Lord said, I want you to click on that. So, so I did and went on to the St Paul's website. Fast forward to the 23rd of June last year and I was reading the Church Times uh, and uh, the appointments section and I read uh, Mike Duff, who uh, I didn't know at the time, uh, previous vicar of St Jude South Sea, which I didn't know at the time, uh, to be patronage secretary at CPS. And 
again, the Lord prompted me and said, Adam, I want you to look at that church. So I went to the St. Jude's website. Uh, and in both occasions, the best way of God of describing it is those words we read in the Gospels when the uh, disciples meet Jesus on the Emmaus Road. Where are hearts not burning within us? And I sensed just that even then, 23rd of June last year, that this was the place God was calling us uh, to go to next. In fact, I got a text message on my phone that I sent to my prayer triplet that day saying uh, just uh, that. The Lord has been so faithful through this process. It's been over a year uh, now and it's been wonderful to see his faithfulness uh, through, uh, through it and through us as we've uh, submitted ourselves to the kind of process that we had to go through. But yeah. Uh, Fun enough, it was fairly similar with me coming here as vicar. I first saw that my predecessor, Bill Merrington, had moved on from St Paul's. I saw that in the Church Times and God prompted something in me to look further. Uh, so, so not dissimilar. Uh, well, Adam, thank you. You've been a wonderful curate. And this isn't the day to say all the thanks. We will do that in due course. Uh, what's the time scale likely to be for how long you'll be here and when you move? Uh, we're not quite sure yet, but we're hoping uh, to be moving at some point in October. Uh, there's a little bit of an issue around housing, and so uh, we'd love it if you'd pray for us for that. Uh, but that's the plan at the moment. Sometime around October, we'll be moving. Well, we will say proper farewells in due course, but let me lead in prayer for Adam and Jess and the family and for the whole process of moving. Uh, Lord, we hear the wind blowing in the garden quite strongly at the moment. And we thank you that your spirit has blown clearly in and through Adam and through this process. Thank you for bringing Adam and Jess here uh, with Jacob three years ago and for the gift of Ellie as well. We pray blessing on them as a family as they prepare to move to South Sea. And we pray for St Jude's itself as they prepare to welcome Adam and the family in due course. We commit the timing to you and the issue with the house and we pray that the last a uh, couple of months here will be very happy and there'll be a very good ending to uh, Adam's time with us and a, a good break and a good start down in South Sea. So we commit the timings to you and thank you for Adam and Jess and the family. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I wonder now, Adam, if you would pray God's blessing over us as a church. I'll use the words of the blessing that we just sung a moment ago. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you his peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Abide in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs>